0: You're listening to episode 78 of the Pastor-Writer podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. I'm joined on the podcast today by author Frank Viola. I first picked up Frank's book, Pagan Christianity, and it characterizes so much of his writing, big, bold ideas that challenge you to rethink categories that you may have formed years ago. I talked to Frank specifically about that. How do you know when you have one of those big ideas? And how do you find the courage to write into those ideas? Uh, We had a little bit of issues with Frank's microphone, but we got it figured out. We switched to his phone, so you'll hear that in the call. But the conversation was just a really fascinating one for me, and I think it will be for you too, especially if you're working on a writing project. As always, if you haven't, I would love it if you would subscribe and leave a review to the Pastor Writer podcast. It's the best way for me to get feedback and for others to find the show. As always, thanks for listening. Well, I'm joined on the podcast today by Frank Viola. He's a speaker, blogger, and bestselling author. You may be familiar with his works, books like Pagan Christianity, Insurgents, and From Eternity to Here. His blog frankviola.org is regularly ranked in the top 5 of all Christian blogs on the web, and his podcast Christ is All has been ranked number 1 in Canada and number 2 in the US on iTunes. He's committed to helping serious followers of Jesus know their Lord more deeply so that they can experience real transformation and make a lasting impact. Um, Frank, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks a lot for joining us.
1: My privilege.
0: Well, uh, I know, know you well from your writing. I think most people probably know you from your writing. But I'm curious, um, in addition, just for some context, uh, what do your days look like? What are the other things you're working on? Is writing full time for you or the other sort of projects that make up your your work?
1: Well, I appreciate the question. I do a number of different things beyond writing books and speaking in conferences and churches. Uh, One of the things that I do, I I started a new podcast in January called The Insurgents Podcast. And this is the podcast where I have a partner, a conversation partner on each time. And we talk about the gospel of the kingdom. And it's a supplement to what I believe to be my most important book. And that's called Insurgents uh, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom. And so my vision was to put out the book um, and then six months later start a podcast that would delve much deeper into the material. So if people are interested in the gospel of the kingdom or the kingdom of God, this book and podcast takes a unique look at both. And uh, so I, I do that every week. Uh, a new episode comes out every uh let's see, Tuesday. And uh, recently uh Michael Heiser, the author of Unseen Realm, and I did three episodes on the podcast discussing spiritual warfare. And uh it's not an interview uh format like like your show is right now. It's it's a conversation where we're just talking and <laughs> listeners listen to us. So that's one of the things. The other thing that I do Chase is I train people how to write a book from beginning to end to write it in such a way that it's compelling and people want to buy it. And I train them how to promote the book in ways that uh, are effective. And it's, it's essentially an event, a training event that I do every year. Uh, it's in April of uh, each year, usually. It's called Scribe, S-C-R-I-B-E, and so Scribe 2020 is going to be in April, and uh, we still have the Early Bird special open right now. But it is the most robust <coughs> – excuse me. Scribe is the most robust training, live training uh, for authors that I'm aware of, and 98 uh, percent of people who who attend Scribe uh, end up finishing their book within a year. Which is a Herculean task. Most people want to write a book, they never write it, <laughs> and those who start never finish. So we teach people how to write it, how to finish it, and then many of them have gotten book deals from publishers, um, and many of them have uh, self-published their book and done pretty well with them. So, so you know, for your listeners who are interested in writing a book, promoting a book, uh, seeing even seeing a book hit a bestseller list. They'll want to check out Scribe, and I'll just give the link here early, and we can talk about it later, but it's scribelive.org. It's all one word, scribelive.org, and uh, they can join the wait list, and uh, registration will be open, so they'll get an email right away uh, inviting them to attend.
0: Yeah, I'll make sure we have links in the show notes and get that shared as well. And it is, I want to come back and explore that a little bit more as well. But um, for you as a writer, when did you get interested in writing and, and how early on did you know that this was something, I mean, really, I mean, even though you're additionally doing the podcast, everything's sort of revolving around the ideas, the writing, the work you're putting in as a writer. When, when did that solidify for you as something that was going to be your work?
1: Yeah, in the 90s, uh, I just started experimenting with little tracks, you know, uh, I grew up in the days of Keith Green, Last Day's Ministries, where he had these tracks he'd put out. Um and they did very well. And and so I I started producing my own uh in my youth. And and then I then I started exploring uh just writing books and self publishing them in very simple ways just so I can hand somebody the things I was learning. And uh it wasn't until I think it was two thousand four uh, 2003, 2004, that, that I was discovered by a publisher who came across some of my, you know, my experimental work. (laughs) Um, I had, I had a website back then. This was before blogs really took off. And, uh, so they found some of my work and we had a conversation and they were willing to, to publish a book. And so, so I did. And, and I thought, you know, this is something that I would like to do, uh, you know, with my life, it's a, it's a great way to spread messages. I have a lot in me to say, and, and I believe that will continue as I learn and grow. And, um, so I never, I didn't wake up saying I want to be a writer. It just sort of happened, you know, and, um, that, that publishing deal opened up a door for me to write other books and for other publishers to take notice and, and want to get in on, uh, producing, um, my work and, distributing it distributing it
0: (laughs) well I know you're also well known for being a blogger you've been blogging since really really early on and you sort of alluded to even being online before blogging took off Um, maybe you could talk about how blogging impacted you as a writer and and are you still blogging today what that looks like
1: yes uh, I am still blogging today I produce one article uh, typically typically one article a week or blog post on my blog, frankviola.org. And I started blogging in 2008. Now, before that, I had a website. But I, I'm really um, – I made a mistake because <laughs> way back in like 2001 when blogs just got started, Uh, I had a friend who was telling me, man, Frank, you need to start blogging. And, you know, I'm I'm, I have no idea what a blog is. And he says, yeah, you just you just write articles and you put it on this this thing called a blog and people find it online and they comment. And I was so stupid, Chase. I I just I just said, I don't have time. And um usually when we say I don't have time it just means it's not important enough to me because <laughs> we all make time for what's important right
2: So anyway in 2008 I decided to blog mainly because I saw uh some of my friends doing it and they were succeeding at getting people to read their work When I started I I was writing a lot five times in a week uh five days a week and then I ratcheted back to three times And then as time went on, the audience got larger two times. And now I do one article a week, generally. And it has impacted my writing tremendously for a number of reasons. One, you're practicing. And the more you write, the better you get. Uh, Two, you get feedback. I have comments open on my blog. So that means that I can write an article and people can respond, and I can assess the feedback, which makes me a better writer because I know what people are wanting, uh, how they're responding, helps me to zero in on the needs, solve the problems, et cetera. And I have a few books, actually, that are a compilation of some blog posts that I wrote. I just expanded the uh, posts and refined them and Turn them into a book. So for every author out there, um, blogging is, to my mind, essential. And uh, I have a course uh, called The Buzz Seminar. People can find it at thebuzzseminar.com, which actually trains you how to start a blog and how to build an audience and be successful and even monetize the blog. Because once you get uh, an audience large enough, you can actually monetize the blog and earn income from your writing. And um, just like people do that with podcasts, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, a large podcast, base, they're able to earn income from it. So, so yes, uh, blogging is essential. It's, it's tremendously influenced my role as a writer, as an, an author, and it's helped me to let people know about the upcoming books that I'm working on and give them previews of the content, get feedback, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Well, when I think about your writing, uh, I think the first book I was introduced to was pagan Christianity. And and one of the ways that I would characterize your writing is um, you you come through with these sort of like bold ideas or maybe the right way of thinking about it is you say things that sort of break the categories that people often have. Uh, I think that's true in, in so much of your writing and I'm curious where that came from. Um Is that something that's just like a personality trait for you, or or where does that where does that ability to like put out big ideas and to say things that are sort of category shaping Where did that form in you as a writer in your thinking?
2: Wow, well, that's a interesting question, isn't it Well or know, maybe I you would write...
0: or maybe you would uh you would categorize <laughs> your writing in a different way, so feel free that's that's fine too. No,
2: you're correct. No, you're correct. I mean, I'm definitely an echinoclast, uh, provocateur, uh, as someone who is constantly pushing against the status quo. The thing is, I have never set out to write a controversial book. You know, I, I don't scratch my head and say, "Hmm, how can I make people upset today?" Uh, let's see. I can write this book, and that'll really tick some people off. Uh, that's not in my personality at all. In fact, I don't. I don't like being controversial. Um, and I try not to be, but I am someone who had an encounter with the Lord Jesus at a young age. And it put me on a journey where I wanted to know him better. And, and Chase, I'm still on that journey, man. I mean, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still learning to know the Lord better, but I, I was just so hungry for Christ and so hungry for reality uh, that I just began to ask a lot of questions based on what I was reading in Scripture. And that led me in an odyssey to to visit many different churches, be part of many different denominations and movements. And, you know, I'm someone who, if I read something in Scripture and then I observe what's happening around me in the particular Church i 'm a part of, or movement that i 'm going to ask questions you know how, why aren 't we doing this, or why does the scripture say this, and yet we're doing that and and i 'm doing it with an open mind, wanting to have an answer you know um, and so what I found is that, and so often we, we Christians have been so influenced by our background and our traditions that we we lose sight of what really the New Testament is teaching us on many, many different subjects. And, um, so that is, that is sort of the impetus, the drive, you know, uh, and then another layer to that is, um, there's always a problem attached to it. And so I'm a a problem solver by nature. And so I, I look for the solution in my own life. How can I, how can I solve the problem in my own life um and then once I you know find a solution um, the times I have discovered solutions to the problems, then I feel like I can share this with other people because other people have the same problem right and so that's why I write books. you know my books are so all of them meet a the need that somebody has, but it's a need I first had and uh and so so that would the, the best way for me to answer your question, uh, again, I don't I don't like to be controversial, but I do think that we have been influenced in current Christianity to where the gospel, the message of the gospel, has been so watered down and diluted. And I think this is why, when we look at the Christian landscape today, uh, Christians are just so ineffective, uh, by and large. I'm speaking of, about all of us, you know. The Church quote unquote is just so ineffective in making an impact on the world and impacting people who are in the world. And so I talk a lot about legalism uh, and I talk a lot about libertinism, which is basically the you know the lukewarmness that we find in Christian circles. And so you know most Christians either fall off one side of the horse or the other. They're either legalistic, self-righteous, and performance driven or they're, <laughs> they're no different than the people in the world. They just, you know, they're under grace, quote unquote. So, so that's a lot of what I write about. And, um, you know, pushing against the status quo can and ha- and has, you know, uh, gotten people in trouble. And, and I'm well aware of that. And, you know, I've counted the cost. I'm going to follow the Lord no matter what. So there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I think that's really helpful. And, and you know, I think, There can be a big difference between being controversial and just believing in some idea, you know, that is different, as you're saying, than the status quo. And one of the things I wrestle with sometimes as a writer is, um, you know, we all know just because we have an idea doesn't mean that it's worth writing about. (laughs) Like there's some sort of process by which an idea gets evaluated and tested out in our own life, and we come to sort of build that confidence in this is something that needs to be said. Um, How do you know when you have one of these big ideas that's worth, I mean, I think about the insurgents' work. You know, you've said it's some of your most important. Um, It's not just a book. It's months of podcasts and conversations. I mean, clearly something you've been thinking about for a long time. How do you know when you have a hold of one of those ideas that's, you know, for you, five years worth of work and worth of your time and energy worth of an investment?
2: Well, you know, the Insurgents book um, grew out of messages I delivered on the gospel of the kingdom. And basically... What, what, what happens with me is I become so burdened with an idea, uh, a concept, a revelation, you know, insight, or whatever you want to call it. I become so heavily burdened with it that I have to release it. You know, it, 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 if I'm going to, if I'm going to uh, be at peace, I got to get it out of myself, uh, especially, you know, when it's, Impacted my own life, right? If, if it's changed my own life, then then I feel like it's selfish to keep it to myself. So when I have burdens like that that are just so strong, and I I, I can't you know I can't keep it to me, um, that's when I write a book to get it out, to get it out of me on the one hand, and the, and to get it into the hands of other people so that they can be helped and so that they can benefit. And that's really, that's really it. I mean, I have a lot of other ideas um, that could be books, but you know, at this point they're just stewing, you know, and simmering. They're not, they haven't come to the boiling point. (laughs) So I, I have no impetus or impulse or motivation to, to write it you know, I mean, maybe I will in the future. Um, so that really would be the answer to your question from my standpoint.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of those topics that doesn't get talked enough about in the craft of writing is how how to know when an idea is ready, you know, when when, when you've thought about it enough, when it's, you know, as you say, it's boiling hot enough, when, when the thing is ready for you to sit down and actually write. Um, are there... A part of that for me is other writers that have shaped me or that motivate me or inspire me. Are there writers that have impacted you as you're uh, developing your own writing? You know, writers that have maybe shaped this boldness in you, but also just your interest, the craft of writing itself?
2: Well, the people who have influenced me, they're all dead. (laughs) So, um, I mean, they're really not dead. They're with the Lord. But somebody named Frank Laubach was was a person who influenced me greatly. Watchman Nee was a a not all of his work, but some of his work. Um, T. Austin Sparks was another one. And these were people who had a, a very close walk with Jesus Christ, an uncommon walk with Jesus Christ, and had incredible insight into the central purpose that is on God's heart. A.W. Tozer is another one. Um, These these would be called Deeper Life Writers. And, you know, Chase, you were asking me earlier about the other things I do beyond writing books and and speaking and doing podcasts. Um, I created in 2015 what's called the Deeper Christian Life Network. And... You know your listeners can just look up the deeper christian life network uh it's i think it's the deeper dot com how's how simple is that and they can see what what it is and it's an it's an online network for people who are interested in the deeper things of god who wanna who want to get my best work on that subject being influenced by the people I mentioned and also uh connect with each other and we have a yearly conference every year. We come together in Orlando, Florida, not far from Disney World, and uh, we just spend four days together. And it's it's an incredible event. It's just unbelievable. In fact, the book Insurgents came out of the two, 2017 Deeper Christian Life Conference. Uh, I delivered messages on the gospel of the kingdom. Chase, we had spontaneous baptisms as a result of some of those talks. I mean, people wanted to be baptized and you know we never there was no call for it it just happened it was incredible and we used the uh, hotel pool (laughs) we took it over we descended on the hotel pool you know like a hundred people and these these individuals who were baptized gave a public testimony that they were renouncing the world system and surrendering their allegiance to jesus of nazareth and it was just amazing But that's, so that's one of the other things I do. And, and again, you know, these people sort of, they lit the spark and, uh, and started a fire in me that I've continued. Um, the other thing I do too, that I didn't mention is I have a mastermind group. Uh, it's actually a mastermind gathering every year for pastors and for teachers in the body of Christ. It's very small. We have about Nine people usually. Uh, In the past, we had more. We had up to fourteen. We spend three days together, and it's a true mastermind. And what I found, Chase, is that pastors are, for the most part, clueless as to what a mastermind is. You know, they're used to going to the big pastor conferences and leadership conferences, and very rarely, when they go to those things, do they get a personal breakthrough in their ministry. You know, I mean, they get a lot of ideas. They get notebook full of concepts. But a personal breakthrough is what masterminds are all about. And because it's a close-knit event, um, we, we tailor-make it based on the particular struggle in ministry each of the people who attend is having. And uh, I facilitate it, and I'm involved in it. But if, if, if your listeners, those who are in ministry, are interested in what a mastermind is, They can go to Ministry Mind. It's called Ministry Mind. So it's a mastermind for ministers. (laughs) (laughs) And I called it Ministry Mind. MinistryMind.org. MinistryMind.org. And they can, um, they can fill out the application. We've got two coming up next year, September and October 2020. And of course, for those of you who are listening to this in the year 2029, um, hopefully we're still doing scribe and ministry mind but uh the dates of course will be different so <laughs> you always have to say that kind of thing because we just dated this podcast by <laughs> using 2020 I, right? do, I
0: do it quite frequently <laughs> as well so people will figure it out in the future <laughs> well, yeah I have a uh, I have a group of pastors that uh, that we do something sort of similar with. Uh, we do um, a lot of it online. We have a Slack, an app where we do kind of real time chat, uh, monthly calls with one another, and a kind of mentor pastor who kind of helps with some coaching. And um, I've found it just incredibly valuable. And we've talked about on the podcast before too. Um, you know, I've invested in writing coaching and believe in sort of having. Uh, I think they'll – I think the more of the writing you try to do in absolute isolation, the harder it is. And I'm really struck by, um, in addition to the writing that you're doing, all of these pockets of community that you're involved in. So every every idea you have, it seems like, has formed around a community that supports it or is a part of it. And um, thinking about the work you do in coaching writers and teaching writers, the Scribe event, um, how valuable is coaching and mentoring and those relationships in the life of a writer? Maybe for you, but then also the writers you work with.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's essential, and one of the great benefits of Scribe every year we do it is that um, the people who attend actually part of the part of the event is not only you know me just downloading everything I know about writing and publishing and um, hitting bestseller lists and all that, but it, they have they get in little groups and they help each other with their writing. And th- those little group events, the portion of the, of, of the event that we do that, in, they are life-changing. I mean, I, I, I can't describe to you. People can read the testimonials on the website, scribelive.org, but they, they're just changed by hearing from their peers. Um, and, and then the relationships continue, Chase, after the event. We have a closed Facebook group where we help each other with our writing and give feedback. And also when someone comes out with a book, a new book, well, not only do we rejoice with them, but we help promote the book. So everybody's promoting each other's books, you know, but, uh, you know, for myself, there, there's a small group of people that I always give my manuscripts to before I send it off to the publisher to give me feedback and for me, I always ask for critical feedback. You know, what's wrong with this? Where did you get lost? Uh, what's your pushback questions? Um, you know what I mean. So, so that helps me to anticipate how a reader may have trouble reading something I've written once it's published. But I wanna, I wanna catch that beforehand and and, and correct it. So yeah it's it's important it's important uh, to have you know people around you that support you but will also refine you to be a better writer and that, that's one of the things what's one of the built-in assets of scribe um uh, that we we put in there
0: yeah, and that that combination of somebody who's been there and done it before, like you have, then the relationships around you, I think can be really, really valuable. Um, as you're working with new writers, a lot of writers who maybe started on projects or stuck on projects, but they're kind of just getting into this. Um, what are the, some of the things you see er, young writers, early writers, so by young, I don't mean age-wise, but just people new in the process, you see them worrying too much about?
2: Yeah, there's a number of things. Um, one of them is the the imposter complex, um, which basically is that running narrative in our head saying, you know, you're fooling fooling yourself. You really can't do this. You're not a writer. Who are you kidding? And every writer, just about every writer, no matter how new or seasoned they are, uh, has to be able to dismantle that voice and push through. And usually that is the underlying reason for procrastination it's fear, right? It's, it's, uh, I don't you know. This is not going to be good enough or, um, I don't know what I'm doing or, or it's, well, if this does go out. People are going to criticize it. Um, so fear has to be dealt with and we deal with that in scribe. I, I give practical techniques on how to, how to obliterate that fear. Uh, the other thing is for, for new writers is just, uh, the motivation to write, the inspiration to keep writing, the momentum—you know, momentum is important. And one of the things I tell writers, I'll, I'll give a little bit of this away, is that you, um as a writer, can easily get stuck. You get to a place where you you, you don't want to continue or it's hard to push through. Uh, You want to always begin, if you're writing a book, you always want to begin with the easiest chapters first. Because that gives you momentum. You know, if you start in chronological order, let's say you've built a table of contents already and you know where you're going, and maybe chapter one is really difficult, then don't don't write chapter one first. You know, go to chapter five. (laughs) if That's the easiest one. Um, That's another asset another asset too but i tell young writers is you know i empower them to let them know that they can do this and with just a little bit of inspiration um they can keep it going but but the other thing is you know if this is a book that you feel is going to help people I mean, you really believe it's going to help people. And, and, and that's that's really the main impetus for writing is, hey, you know, this has helped me, what I'm writing about, and I want other people to benefit. Then, in effect, you're being selfish by keeping it to yourself and not finishing it, right? I mean, just think about think about the books in the world that have changed people's lives. Or maybe, uh, Chase, maybe there's a book that changed your life, right, that you, you think of. All of us have those kind of books. Well, what if the author just said, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing here. This is too much work. (laughs) I'm fooling myself. Or, you know, I don't really want to put this out into the world uh, to take the, the time to write it because I might get criticized. And they didn't write the book. Well, the effect of that is, hey, your life and the lives of thousands of other people. Would never have been changed, and so that's an example. And we remind each other of this. The people who attend Scribe, um, it's just there's just so much. But those are just some some basic things there. And another one is don't be a perfectionist. You know, uh, don't be. Here's a problem a lot of young writers have is they want to, they're starting on a chapter and they want to make sure it's perfect before they go to the next chapter. Well, that's not the way to do it. You got to throw the clay on the wheel. You have to throw the paint on the canvas and you just put it out there and you just keep going. And then you go back and then you edit, you know, you never, you never, uh, write and edit at the same time. That's a mistake that will, that will seize your brain and cause you to halt. Um, so this idea of it has to be perfect is, is something that writers have to, have to uh, dance with and overcome. No, you just write it, you write it, you write it, and then you go back and you edit and edit and edit. You worry, you worry about the quote unquote perfection at the end, but, but perfection is never something we should seek. No book is perfect. It should be good enough. And good enough is a pretty darn high standard. And so we talk about that too in the event.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot there that, that's been helpful. Things that we get stuck on early, like the imposter syndrome or the fear that drives it or the perfectionism, the motivation. Um, in, it, if those are sort of the negative things that, that trap us early in writing, what are some of the things or the questions you wish you heard more of from writers or the things writers should be thinking about in those early stages um, that, that are going to produce that boldness, the courage, the motivation?
2: Well, you know, the, the passage in Hebrews 12, how the Lord endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, you, um, you do well to have a vision of that finished book in your mind and how it's going to help people. So when I, when I started to, to write Insurgents, even before I picked up my pen, so to speak, I don't use a pen, I use a keyboard, but <laughs> even before I picked up the, the metaphorical pen, and wrote the first line, I had uh, chased the vision of the book in my head. And I actually saw, uh, I didn't know what the cover would look like, but I knew what the colors would be. It would be black, would be a black book. It would have uh, red, uh, military red and white as the uh, color palette, because those are the, those are the colors of revolution and uh, so i had this in my head that this would be a book that would look revolutionary and i saw the whole thing finished in my head and um and then i saw it like blowing people's minds because that's the that's what the message did to me man it just blew my mind and um so that was the joy set before me that got me through the arduous journey and the pain of writing a book which you know writing a book is sitting in front of a computer screen and opening a vein you know it's it's a difficult task it takes a lot out of you uh but with that vision in my head you know with what the finished product would look like and how it would impact people i kept pressing forward and that gave me motivation and inspiration to continue
0: yeah, it's helpful. Um, as you um, you work with a lot of writers, um, you you hear what's on their heart, you know kind of what they're working on, how it, they see it shaping and impacting Christianity. You're doing a lot of thinking about what does the future of Christianity look like? How do I impact it? Um, what's your hope or your prayer for how writers impact the church moving forward? So what do we need more of from our Christian writers and what is the impact you hope Christian writers can have on the church?
2: Yeah, I like I like that question. Um so here's the problem. The problem is in the Christian space there're too many books. There're just too many books. Um most of the books in the Christian space do not offer anything original. Uh none of it is remarkable. Well, excuse me. Few of it is is, is uh, little little of it is remarkable. Now, remarkable means, you know, it's so compelling and so different that you can't help remark about it. You have to talk about it because it's so remarkable. It's, it, it provokes you to speak on it. That's what, that's what, by the way, causes books to sell and spread is, Hey, I read this book by Chase. You will not believe it. It just blew my mind or it just touched touched me in a way no other book has or a few other books have you have to read this. That's remarkable. <laughs> okay, um, most books are not remarkable. Most books are mediocre in the Christian space. Most books are regurgitations of what some other people have said. Um, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just being honest with how I see it. And uh, you know, being in this business for so long, I it's just it's just just a fact and. So, what writers need to know is, number one, what is it that makes you a unique person in the Christian world? What unique message do you have? All right? Now, I had a conversation. I, I do phone coaching too, Chase. I, I talk on the phone for like 45 minutes to authors, you know who, um, who, want, who want a consultation. And so I was talking to a gentleman the other day about this and I asked him I said all right well what is the unique message you have uh well it's discipleship and and my response to him was well what does that even mean I mean there's hundreds of books on discipleship what is the remarkable message about discipleship that you have that no one else is saying so so that's that's number 1 is what what uh what message do I have that that no one else is saying? Like, when I wrote Insurgents, I can count on my hand the number of books on the gospel of the kingdom. Now, yeah, there's some books on the kingdom. There are many books on the kingdom, but I'm not talking about the kingdom. I'm talking about the gospel of the kingdom. You know, Jesus talked about it. Uh, it's in the book of Acts. What is the gospel of the kingdom? And so, because there were so few people writing about it, and I always, I always chase write the book that that I want to read, but that doesn't exist, so <laughs> that would be another motivation, going back to an earlier question of why write a book um, i I always look for the book before I write it. Okay, has somebody else done this? You know, you mentioned pagan Christianity, which traces the origins of our Protestant church practices and where they came from. Has somebody already written that book? Well, the answer is no, not not in any way that's comprehensive and footnoted and documented it just a book like that doesn't exist and the book insurgents the way i came at it it just doesn't exist so i wrote it so so that's the first thing the second thing is everyone who wants to write a book should have by experience a solution to somebody's need or problem that that they've sorted out in their own life okay so, like, um, I, I give, I'll give you an example from the secular world, all right? So, I was watching YouTube, and there's, uh, there's this whole, <laughs> I don't know, you know how it is. You get, you, you're, re- you're reading something, and something comes up on YouTube, and, and on the right panel, like it has all these other crazy, different videos that have nothing to do with what you're talking about, or maybe slightly related. Yeah, sure. So you might be, you might be looking at something like, you know. Um, you know how to how how to bless your wife on uh, her birthday. You know, okay, ideas to bless your wife on her birthday. And on the right hand column, you have all these different things. So one of them, I I saw one I, one of them was kind of interesting. It's how to get your ex girlfriend back, and I, or how to get your ex boyfriend back. And one of them had so many views. I'm like, what what is that about? So so I so I clicked on it. I looked at it. And for a few minutes, and here's, uh, uh, an expert talking about how to get your ex boyfriend back or girlfriend back or whatever, because they themselves had that problem. They found the solution. Now they're sharing that solution with other people and they're getting like 500,000 views on, <laughs> on YouTube. Okay. Now, now that, now that's a, just an example move it over to the Christian world, move it over to an author, okay? What solution has worked in your own life to solve a problem that other people have? Boom. That's what you should be writing about. And because so few authors do that, usually, Chase, when an author writes a book, it's because the subject excites them and they think it's interesting and they like it, but it doesn't really solve a problem, right? And the the real, what we need, in answer to your original question, <laughs> is we need books that are remarkable in the Christian world and that solve people's problems in the Christian world by those who have the problem themselves and by God's grace and mercy found a solution for it.
0: Yeah, I think that's helpful. So, and uh, and something I think each of us strives for that it's true. You know, what we're writing is not just an idea or a gimmick or a pitch, or but something we know we've lived, we've experienced, and we write out of it. Um, I want to make sure. I want to go ahead.
2: No, I I just wanted to add that I will never eat the food from a chef who hasn't tasted his recipe first, and and that's the principle, (laughs) you know. And it's not just writing about something you know about it's it's for the book to sell right it it has to be something that offers a solution that meets someone's need you know and and that's how that's how i train authors to think
0: uh, I want to make sure people get that opportunity to, again, just uh, be able to connect with you and the services you offer for writers. So one more time, give us the the URL, the best way for people to connect with you, uh, whether it's the Scribe event or your blog, or where would you like people to be able to keep track of what you're doing?
2: Yes. Well, everything that I offer is on frankviola.org. That's my blog. And they can find, like, uh, for example, they can – Click on Books in the top menu, and they'll see all the books. If they click on Store, I think it's Store, it'll show all the different things that I offer, the events. Ascribe, ascribe um We have the early bird right now, so I'd love, love for people to sign up, and we'll give you an invitation to that. Uh, we have MinistryMind.org for pastors and teachers. And then all the articles are on that blog, all the podcasts are on that blog. You know, that's sort of the hub of all the resources I put out with the specific intention of impacting people, uh, to solve the problems that they have in the Christian life. And that I have, I I mean, I'm right now, as we're talking, I'm, I'm facing some new problems that I'm, um, you know, finding solutions for from the Lord that one day will either turn into a book, an article, a course, or something, you know, Uh, once I have uh, tested it in my own life and it's worked. So uh, just to give you a little insight into the mind of, of this one writer here of how I operate.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate that honesty because uh, I think you're right. Like, so we live it first. Like, all of this writing flows out of what's real, what's honest, what God's actually doing in our lives, and and uh, I think that comes through in your writing, man. This is something you care deeply about, and for that, I'm I'm really thankful for it, and for the the courage to do it and say it, and the work you're doing. So, hopefully, uh, lots of listeners check out um, not just your writing, but also the 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 courses and the uh, the events you offer for writers. I think this could be a real blessing. And Frank, just want to say thanks. Uh, thanks for great conversation encouraging words and all you do to support pastors and writers
2: thank you chase it's been a privilege to be on your show man
0: as always you can find show notes for today's episode by going to pastor slash 78 there you'll be able to find links to frank side as well as the scribe event that we discussed and some of his books If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you would take the time to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and consider leaving a review. That can be as simple as clicking a rating or writing a review of what's been helpful about the show. Those reviews and subscriptions are the best way to help new people discover the show and also for me to get feedback about how it's going. I always love being able to hear what you're getting out of it, what's been meaningful so that I can make sure I'm contributing more of that in the future. As always, thanks for those of you who have followed the show, who have subscribed, who have left a review, and thanks always for listening. Until next time.